Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. We have a ton of guests to get to this week, so we'll get into it in just a little bit, and I'll explain why. Let's start off with our interviews. We've got the two main event combatants on this weekend's card. you got Rafael Dos Anjos and Rafael Fiziev. Excited to speak with both of them. This was a, a very fun talk with uh, two of the fantastic fighters on this card. And it's, uh, it's a pretty solid card all around. Uh, I like what I see from it. Also joining me on the show in the co-main event, Kyle Boraglio. This guy, I think, is going places. Really fun fighter and really interesting mind when it comes to mixed martial arts. And the lone Canadian on the car, Eamon Zahabi. Uh, of course, I'm really uh, a fan of Eamon and what he brings to the table as a fighter. And, uh, of course, representing Canada along uh, with his brother, of course, a legend in the uh, Canadian mixed martial arts scene, Faraz Zahabi. So, excited to speak with him as well. Plus, from the PFL, we've got two of the fighters in the featherweight tournament, Chris Wade and Bubba Jenkins. Enjoyed speaking with them as well as they look ahead to August, where the featherweight division continues. you got Ryoji Kudo taking on Jenkins, and you got Chris Wade taking on Brendan Lochnein in his backyard. And a little bit of controversy around that that I'm sure Chris will talk about in the interview, and I'm sure of it because I've already recorded the interview, so a bit of a spoiler alert there. But let's talk about this weekend's card. Now, I put out the standard edition of the TSN MMA show earlier today, and I realized that myself and Joe didn't really preview this weekend's card. So let's do a quick preview, looking at it from more of a betting perspective for this coming weekend, UFC Fight Night, Dos Anjos versus Fiziev. And if you're only interested in this show for the interviews, feel free to fast forward a little bit, and you can, of course, find the interviews a little bit later on in the show. But if you're interested, of course, in this weekend's card and uh, some of the betting angles, feel free to listen as uh, I'm going to dive right in. Rafael Fiziev, Rafael Dos Anjos main event. I'm not really on a side here, but the one thing I do like is the under four and a half rounds at plus 132. You know, Fiziev tends to tire out as the fight goes on. Now, I don't know if he can go five full rounds. This is going to be a big test for him. And both these guys have really strong finishing instincts. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that this the under four and a half is plus 132 here. You're going to give me almost five full rounds to find a victor here. I like the under. I, I'm not even sure if this fight gets gets to the championship round. So to get that kind of value, plus 132. And I mean, if you don't think it's going to start the fourth round. So this is the weird thing about it. Fight won't start round four is plus 140. Under four and a half is plus 132. So you're getting like for eight cents. I think it's like, what, 0. 0.8 cents, something along those lines. You're getting a free half round. So I, I like those odds. I, I, uh, I think that that's uh, certainly worth a look. The funny thing is the uh, the the fight the over four and a half is minus one sixty eight. The fight starts around four minus two ten, so a lot more juice as well for that half round. So I'm going to take the under four and a half from our fans friends at uh, FanDuel Canada. That's going to be one of my recommended plays this week. Kyle Boralio taking on Armin Petrosian. Boralio minus two fifty. Yeah, I just think that the Boralio's got a lot of upside. I like the way he fights. I like his fight style. I like his um, the pressure he puts on his opponents. I like Petrosian a lot, too. I think he's a really solid fighter. He's coming off a really good win. But I think Boralio ends up winning here. Minus 250. Not sure I love that. And looking at some of the props, you know, you can get Boralio plus 420 by KO, by submission plus 310. 
But I'm not sure if he's able to get a win inside the distance, to be honest. I think it's, it's kind of a tough ask for him. So I'm going to take the minus 250 and parlay him with somebody a little bit later on. Saeed Nurmago made a minus 340. Douglas Silva D'Andrade, plus 250. This is a tough one as well. Uh, difficult matchup to call because uh, I think the line is probably where it should be. The thing that I used to always enjoy doing was taking Nurmago Madov by KO or TKO because this Nurmago Madov is not that much of a grappling-based fighter. He's more of a striking-based fighter, and you used to be able to get it at like plus 800, plus 900. Now, again, Silva D'Andrade has got a phenomenal chin. It's plus 200, so I, I'm, I'm passing on this one, I think, altogether. Uh, Douglas Silva D'Andrade is a tough, tough fighter. Going to be a, a difficult uh, ask for him to get an early KO or anything along those lines. Um, if I can find a good line on the over one and a half, I might take that. But I, even that, I'm not too sure. There's just a lot of possible outcomes here that uh, make it difficult to, to pick this one. So I'm passing on Nurmago Madov against Silva D'Andrade. Um, there's another Nurmago Madov fighting next weekend. You got Abubakar back in action. But we'll move forward to the heavyweight division. Jared Vandera, minus 225. Chase Sherman, plus 172. Not really sure what to make of this. I'm seeing a lot of people take the Vandera by submission prop. It's plus 650, but I think I'm going to pass on that as well. I, I don't really love taking Vandera at such a big price because Chase Sherman still has hands. He still has heavy, heavy hands. It's the heavyweight division. Whenever you see these long lines in the heavyweight division, usually I prefer I prefer to pass unless I see a really clear path to victory. So this this one's a pass for me. Jamie Malarkey, minus 265. Michael Johnson, plus 200. Another one where I'm not too sure about it because Malarkey's got a good chin. And usually the type of fighter I would take you know, if I'm going to take Michael Johnson at plus 200, it's somebody who I think would have the possibility of getting knocked out. I don't think that Johnson's going to knock Malarkey out. So you look at the lines, you can get Malarkey inside the distance right now is sitting at about even money. Um, this is probably another pass for me, to be honest. I don't I don't love it. The Malarkey decision prop is something I might settle in on a little as the week goes on, but kind of a pass for me as well. Cynthia Calvillo, minus 162. Nina Nunez, plus 126. I think this is a dog or pass situation here. Um, you know, Calvillo moving back down to straw weight where she's looked great, but she just hasn't looked good in recent fights. And um, I think that they're probably pretty similar in age because Calvillo got a bit of a late start. She's 34 years old. And if you look at her recent uh, fights, she's 1-3. and three, I mean, 0-3 in her last three. She's lost three in a row, but she's lost them to good names. Andrea Lee, Jessica Andrade, Caitlin Jukagian. Not surprising that she lost those three fights. So a bit of a step down in Nina Nunez, but Nina Nunez is still really game. And she's only she's about two years older. When's uh, Calvillo turns 35 this week? So or next week rather. So yeah, she's about a year and a half older. Is Nina Nunez? Nunez coming off of a submission loss to Mackenzie Dern, as well as a decision loss to Tatiana Suarez. But she pushed Tatiana Suarez a lot in that fight. So had a baby in between the time of the Suarez and Dern fight. This is an interesting one. She's had a really tough um, couple fights in terms of competition level, has Nina Nunez. Beats Angela Hill, beats Randa Marcos, beats Claudia Gadelia, but then uh, suffers a loss to Tatiana Suarez by decision. And uh, that's the last time Suarez fought so far. Uh, and Mackenzie Dern, submission loss. And Dern is looking great lately. So this is a bit of a step down in competition for her and also kind of a step down in competition for Calvillo. So I see where the line why the line is what it is. Kind of a dog or pass situation for me, in my opinion, but I'm going to pass on this one as well. Ricky Tercios, minus 210. Eamon Zahabi, plus 162. Uh, another one that's, you know, kind of interesting. I, th- I think that Tercios is 
a really, really intriguing fighter, very, very tough to predict. And Zahabi fell into that trap against Ricardo Hamos. He was doing well against him, and Hamos was kind of a, a fighter like that who throws all kinds of crazy stuff. And Zahabi got caught in that fight. Will he be a little bit more care, you know, careful this time around? I think this line is probably about where it should be, to be honest. And uh, I'm going to pass on this one as well. The over two and a half is probably where it should be. Good, sharp line making this week. And, uh, you know, the lines haven't moved a ton. Antonina Shevchenko, minus 188. Courtney Casey, plus 146. I'd be interested in looking at some split decision props as the week goes on. Because Courtney Casey is always fighting her opponents tough. Not a great stylistic matchup for her here in Antonina. Um, Antonina, minus 188. Again, I think the line is probably right around where it should be for this one. So this is going to be a pass for me as well. Uh, I don't I don't love this particular uh, line. So this is a, this is a stay away for me. Um, Trace on Gore, minus 148. Cody Brundage, plus 116. This line's moved quite a bit in Gore's direction. I can understand why, but Brundage is a tough out. And I, if Brundage was on that season of The Ultimate Fighter, you're telling me he wouldn't have won that season? Like he, he probably would have at least been in the finals for that season. If he's matched up against Brian Battle, I'd probably take Brundage in that fight. Um, so, looking at it, I'm just trying to look at... I know Brundage looked great in his last fight. He almost got finished, actually, and then came back and uh, and turned the tables on Dolce Lungembula. So, uh, I think this is an interesting one, but I might go Brundage, plus 116. on Gore lost his last fight to Battle. I think Brundage is probably better than both those guys, so I might I might end up on Cody Brundage for this particular fight. Um, dog or pass on that one for me. Kennedy and Zizekou minus one forty eight. Carl Roberson plus one fourteen. This is the matchup that I think Carl Roberson actually has a real advantage in against Nzechukwu. Uh, you know, Nzechukwu like to stand. Um, he's got a good chin. He's durable. But if you're going to stand with Carl Roberson and even on the ground against Carl Roberson, I think Roberson would have an advantage there. This is probably a dog or pass for me as well. But he is fighting up a weight class at two hundred five. He moved up from one eighty five. That doesn't necessarily, that's not like a red flag for me or anything, because I think that the less weight you have to cut and the bigger, you know, the, the faster you're going to be, the more power you're going to carry. You know, I think that there's this misnomer if you cut a bunch of weight, you're going to have more power. But I think moving up, especially from divisions 185 to 205, you're talking 20 pounds. Ezechiel is going to have a pretty big size advantage, I would think, in the cage on fight night. But I think Roberson's going to have a big speed advantage. I think on the ground, he can do some damage as well. And Dechukwu's proven to be very tough, though. So this is a tough one for me, but I think it's dog or pass, and uh, I don't really have a side. David Onama, minus 850. The newcomer to the UFC, taking the fight on short notice, Garrett Armfield, plus 500. Uh, tough to get a gauge on this. I don't know much about Armfield, so I hate to just, like, auto-bet on Onama, who I think is a great fighter and probably deserves to be auto-bet at this point in time, but not enough there for me. Um, Ronnie Lawrence, minus 148. Saidyakub... Kachromanov, plus 116. I like the Lawrence side here, minus 148, and I will likely be parlaying him with Caio Baraglio um, as one of my plays for this week. It's plus 135 if you parlay them. I- I'm confident in Baraglio. Ronnie Lawrence, good fighter. Um, has looked good in-, in the UFC thus far. If I recall, he... I can't remember if he lost his last fight. Um, he's 8-1. and one. No, he, he won his last fight against Mana Martinez. But I remember Mana kind of put it on him in the third, if I recall. So he's uh, 2-0 in the UFC. Looked great on Contender Series. Kachramanov coming to the UFC. Um, had a, a nice guillotine choke against Trevin Jones in his debut. 
where um, he was a slight underdog. But I personally think that uh, Ronnie Lawrence is a better fighter than Trevin Jones. And I think that uh, getting Ronnie Lawrence at a price like a minus 148, I think that's probably the range in which I'd be comfortable taking him against Kachramanov, who I think is a solid fighter. But I just I really think that Ronnie Lawrence has high upside. He's 30 years old. He's in his prime. Has looked good in the UFC so far. Um, I'm going to take Ronnie Lawrence in that one. So that's the uh, the card top to bottom. My recommended plays, as I mentioned uh, thus far, I like the under four and a half in the main event at plus 132 from our friends at FanDuel Canada. I like the Boralio and Lawrence Parlay at plus 135. And for an underdog play, I like Cody Brundage. So those are my three that I like going into this weekend's card. I'm going to wait for some more lines to come out before I give out my uh, darts of the week. So just waiting on uh, some lines to come out from our friends at FanDuel. And then we can get on that. But uh, I'm trying to think of what I would potentially play. I might look at a Dos Anjos round five prop and see what that looks like. But uh, another one I might look at is the Malarkey decision prop. But uh, that that I don't think would be that big of a long shot. The Shevchenko submission prop is another one that is intriguing to me against Courtney Casey. That one I might look at. I might uh, I might take a take a flyer on that one. So we'll see. Um, the Roberson might look at some Roberson round props as well. You can get Roberson, you know, if you can get like a Roberson round three plus a thousand, round two plus eight hundred. I might, I might look at some of those when they come out if if they're in that kind of a range. So we will wait and see on those. So short preview for you. Didn't get to it on the main show, so I thought I'd uh, do it here. And we're gonna get to the interviews now. Uh, thanks for uh, waiting around, listening to the preview. Hopefully you learned something and it was enjoyable. So let's get to our interviews. We've got Rafael Dos Anjos, Rafael Faziev. Kyle Boralio, Eamon Zahabi, Chris Wade, Bubba Jenkins, right now on the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. Please be joined now by Rafael Dos Anjos. He's in the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card. It's Rafael versus Rafael. Are you excited to face uh, an up-and-coming fighter like uh, Rafael Faziv? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Faziv's uh, coming up. He's coming off a bunch of, I think, seven or eight win streak. Uh, I was set to fight him back in March, February actually, but you know, we know what he's bringing to the table, we already studied him, and I can't wait for Saturday night. You ended up facing uh, Renato Maicano, very spirited fight from him on short notice. Um, what did you learn from that particular fight, and how hard was it to adjust for a new opponent on such short notice? It's always hard, man, when you have like I trained for a short guy, a, a, a striker, for eight weeks, and all of a sudden, they, a long, a good jiu-jitsu guy jump in. Very stressful week, too, with a bunch of changing weight divisions and uh, change of opponents. Uh, it it was, a, was a very uh, uh, stressful week for me. But, yeah, thank you, God, I got it done. Now, four months later, you have another big fight uh, against uh, Faziev, who you were originally scheduled to face back uh, back then. Um, what do you think a win against him does for you in this division? It's a division that seems to have a lot of moving parts right now. Yeah, man, I think a win puts me right there. And I see all the, the guys ahead of me in rankings. They don't want to take fights. 
with anybody behind them on rankings, and uh, I'm not playing this game. Fiziv needs a fight. I need a fight. I want to be active uh, after that long 16 months layoff. Uh, uh, I feel good to be back. And I think, man, a win of Fiziv will be being a former champion, uh, title contention, uh, title challenge on, the, on Walter Way. I think three wins in a row put me in a very good spot to, to challenge whoever the champion is at the time. Now I want your personal opinion on something. You know, Islam Makhachev said he was going to step in before Moikano did to, to face you on that fight night. Obviously, that didn't happen. And what Dana White had said at the time was, we're going to have Islam fight Benil Dariush down the line. But now it looks like they're going in a different direction and he's going to get the next title shot at lightweight. Do you think that based on what he did to you, where he was saying he would take the fight and then ended up not taking the fight, should have someone else contend for the title first because he hasn't really beaten a top 10 opponent uh, in the lightweight division? Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought Dana would would do that, but seems like they're gonna have too much too many hype on 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 Islam right now. Guys like uh, Habib and Komier pushing him to the title, and has has never been a top ten. Through his name his name out there on a uh, hundred seventy pounds to find me, I took the fight and he back up. He backs away, and uh, yeah, I thought I thought who the fight Benil, like Dana said, but it seems like change gonna go in a different direction. I don't think he deserve it, but it is what it is. I'm focused on uh, Fiziv right now, and I'm aiming that title shot again after this fight. I'm gonna beat him in the first round. I'm gonna beat him very convincingly, and uh, I'm gonna make looking forward to make a statement. And looking forward to fight for the title. Whoever, like December, January, I'll be ready. How exciting is it to watch a guy like Dobronx uh, emerge to become the champion? He has a similar career to yours. I mean, you started in the UFC, had a lot of ups and downs, and then eventually really hit that sweet spot and became the champion. Do you see that comparison? Do you think that there's a lot uh, of similarities between your championship run and his? Sure, yeah. He, he, he got a couple of losses on back there. But all of a sudden, he started winning. He, he took his opportunity and he did well. And uh, congrats to him. He's been in a good run right now. He's been on fire. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of similar, my run to his. But yeah, I the only thing I think uh, it changed because when I became the champion, I beat the real champion. And uh, he, he beat... Uh, uh, another contender that comes that the actual champion retired and he beat uh i think he beat michael chandler to become a champion and uh i think uh, i'm more I, i'm happy with my career because i went there and i beat the number one contender so i have that accomplishment on me yes absolutely i think that your title run was definitely something um, of legend. I think that it was really great to see you emerge to that level. Um, now you're winding down your career. You're about 37 years old. Do you expect to finish your career at lightweight or are you thinking you might move back to welterweight at some point in time? We'll see how things are going to play out. Um, I really, uh, I'm, I'm feel, feeling really good on this division, but we'll see how things are going to play out in the future. I know I don't, I know I don't have 10 years on me yet, it's still like, you know, 
I've been on this game for 14 years on UFC. But we'll see how things going to play out. Uh, I believe I have everything it takes to become the champion again. That's why I made the move to Brazil. I'm investing a lot of my career. I know I have the potential. So you're still in Brazil. I, I saw you had moved with your family to Rio, and you weren't sure if you were going to move back to uh, Southern California at some point. So you're staying in Rio for the foreseeable future? Yeah. Uh, my plan was, uh, my plan is to be in Rio for the next one or two years. Uh, I, set a, I set a time. Uh, Rio, it's, it's amazing. I love Rio. After, you know, 10 years away in California, but feels good to be back in there. But um, it's kind of hard to raise kids when we have kids. I have a, thir- a three years old and a 13 years old. Uh, they kind of, they are pretty much Americans and uh, they, they, would live, they would have a better life in, in America, you know. Uh, but my goal is to stay there one more or maybe two more years. Have you thought about moving your family back to Southern California and you just go back and forth and train in Brazil? That was that was the idea, but I uh, at first that was the idea to live down here, and but I don't like to stay away uh, from my family. I think uh, God first for me, second is my family, third is my job. So I can I can I can put uh, uh, my job first and my family. So my wife likes Rio too. We think we thought it would be a good opportunity for the kids to be near my, you know, my parents over there, near family, and uh, have them see the other part of the world too. Uh, the world is not Orange County, Southern California. Uh, it's kind of delusional a little bit. Everything's too much easy, so easy. So I want them to see the other part of the coin, the coin, and. See where I came from. I think that's important for them. Well, I think that's certainly great uh, that they're going to get to experience that and have been experiencing that. Uh, well, Rafael, fantastic uh, to speak with you again and look forward to seeing your bout this weekend as the main event. Rafael Dos Anjos against Rafael Faziv. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be joined now by Rafael Faziv. He's in the main event against Rafael Dos Anjos this weekend. It's Rafael versus Rafael. Uh, I was reading a little bit about your start in the UFC. A couple of years before you signed with the UFC, Dana White actually shared a video of you doing, I guess what they called you, the Matrix Fighter. You were, you were leaning back 180 degrees when someone threw a kick at you. Uh, was that really the first contact that anybody from the UFC had made with you? Yeah. This, uh, this, uh, this moment in, uh, in, uh, in the Muay Thai fight, this Matrix, it's, this helped me a lot in, the, in my... In my in my MMA career, all in my in my all career. So. And uh, afterwards, you did an interview. You said you would fight in the UFC for free if Dana White asked you to. Now, obviously, two years later, you didn't end up fighting for free. But was it your dream come true to sign with the UFC at that point? Yeah, my dream my dream has come to real now. My dream has come to real. I fight in main event with Rafa. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, a lot of people don't know what your nickname means, Ataman. It almost means like a leader. And your dad gave you this nickname, and so did uh, Pavel Fedotov, who a lot of people know as Valentina Shevchenko's coach. When they asked to submit a nickname, he submitted that on your behalf, and it kind of surprised you when they announced it. Um, so explain to people what exactly Ataman is. 
Adaman is like, it's chief. It's uh, like English world is chief, like close for Ataman. Ataman is people who stay on army. It's like he's like army people, uh, like commander in the army. Everyone respect him, and uh, he's a strong. Uh, you know, it's mean this. And the story that I read was your dad asked who the Ottoman of your class was, and you said it wasn't you. And then he told you to step up and become the the, the Ottoman of the class. Is that how the story goes? Is that how the nickname came about? Yeah, this this nickname with me is all my life because uh, I'm six years old when when it's happened. My father asked me like, "Who is Ottoman in the in the class?" I say like, "Oh, not me," because I don't know what is that. What does it mean? And he start to like, hey, like. He like uh, angry for me because because he he think I'm I'm scared someone. But after my mom, she explained me what is it, what does this mean, and uh, and after all my life I say everywhere like oh I'm Ataman I'm Ataman you know, and Pavel he don't know that story, and he just say me like okay you are army man you are former officer, and uh, okay you're Ataman and <laughs> I'm like surprised okay kind nice. Well, that's so interesting because so both of them gave it to you differently without knowing the uh, the background. That's uh, that's a really cool story. Um, uh-huh. it, it, was your dad a martial artist? Um, he's not a martial artist. He's a wrestler. He's a wrestle. He's a wrestle when he was young. Uh, but he's uh, you know in my country we we love the martial arts and uh, we love the how to say we love the when. Uh, when man is a man, when he's strong, if he need to fight, he go to fight, you know. He never step back. He never scared somebody, you know. I'm a, I'm I live with these traditionals. Well, it certainly shows it in the uh, UFC in, in your fights. Now, I saw Valentina on UFC Countdown. She was watching a sport in Kyrgyzstan called Kok Boru. Have you ever played this? I never played this, but this game, this is an amazing game. This is amazing game. Like real warriors play this game because you you can broke your back so easy. Like this is like easy. If you are watching Kukboru highlights in YouTube, somebody if you, if somebody watch it, bro, you can broke your back like half second easy. So, so can you explain to people watching this interview what the sport is and how it works? Yeah, people people need to watch it because this is very interesting. This is amazing. So what what's the point of the game if if anybody has not heard of it? So point of the game it's like football. Example. They have a two uh, how to say like where 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 you where you put the ball. Like a goal. Yeah, like a goal. So they have a two two hole two hole and have a five people in, in a team and uh, they don't have ball they have a ship die ship they kill the ship cut the head and play with the ship on the horse you on the horse and playing with the ship so you wrestle here also you stay on the horse you wrestle for this ship you you're going for for this hole and put this ship for the hole, you know, and this all with a hole in a horse, uh, and uh, 
and uh, also they have fight a lot. And uh, you know, two horsemen uh, when it's too big speed and like boom is together. Like people stay on the on the horse with the ship. Like it's, it's sometimes it's like so crazy. That's why you you can make injuries so easy with this because it's big speed and uh, and uh, big. Uh, everyone loves this game. Everyone want to win. So how does somebody take this? And ship? after, yeah, yeah, and I forget after after. When when play when uh, this when this game is finished, somebody some 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 team is win. After they take this fish or they take this ship and make uh, food with the with this ship and eat together. <laughs> Sports a little bit too intense for us up here in Canada, but uh, it sounds like certainly interesting. How does somebody take the sheep from another person? What? How does somebody wrestle the sheep away from it? Like if you're holding the sheep, how is somebody supposed to take it from you? I don't. I don't understand. Like if you if you are holding the sheep, you're on the horse, and then another person comes. How do they take it from you? What's the bro? I start to wrestle. I start to wrestle. We together on the on the horse, sheep on me, and you try to take it. You know, and we start to fight, bro. And people from my team and from your team coming and start to fight. Sometimes sheep going to ground, and and I'm sitting on the horse still, and I going like this, take the sheep, coming back, and I start to run for. For uh, this hallway, and it put this shit. Is it against the rules to get off the horse? No, cannot get off the horse. You need to stay on the horse. All right, I'm gonna go watch highlights from this uh, after we're done Bro, speaking. Watch. You like it for sure. <laughs> it sounds uh, it sounds sounds interesting for sure. Um, now you've got a, a bout of your own this weekend against Rafael de, or Rafael dos Anjos, rather. Uh, tell me about what this means to you. This is a former champion, uh, at one point one of the best lightweights in the world, still ranked lightweight, one of the best in the world. So what does this matchup mean to you as a competitor? This means for me I'm on good way in this game, in, in this game, in this business. Because I'm just three years in UFC and I fight in many wins with legend, with former champion. He fights with everybody, with Usman, with Covington, with Khabib, with everyone, with, 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 uh, with very famous fighters. And uh, for me, it means like I'm on, I'm on the way. What do you think is going to happen in your division? Charles Oliveira was the champion. He lost it on the scale. Kind of an interesting situation. Um, who do you think ends up fighting for the title next? Charles Oliveira, he's still a champion for me. For me, he's still a champion. He not lost. And uh, I think, I think it's good opportunity. Some if. Islam or Darius fight with uh, with uh, with Oliveira because because he, he is together. Islam and Darius he together deserve it. What about Volkanovski? This past weekend he said that he's interested in going up to fifty five. He looked fantastic against Max Holloway. Cool, Volkanovski. He's a phenomenon. He's a phenomenal. He's a he's a very strong guy. And also, yeah, he, if he fight with uh, with a champion with lightweight champion. After this, there's also very good. Conor McGregor uh, made reference to one of your videos. It was on Twitter recently. You were, you were doing a, kind of like the Matrix. You were leaning back uh, to evade uh, a roundhouse kick. And he said that he would have turned it into an axe kick. Um, it, would that technique work? Because I think it's different mechanics to throw an axe kick versus the kick that you were trying to evade. I don't know why he tell, why he tell that. He's very, he's very high-level fighter. And I, why he tell that I don't know <laughs> because I don't I can't explain. And uh, <clears throat> so 
this limb, I make this limb back only when people make me high kick, kick, kick high. I make, I make limb back. If people make X kick for me, I make different. I never make limb back for X kick, you know. But if you kick already, and half away, you need to change to X kick. That's, that's fantastic. That's not real. You can't make it. If it did connect, though, there probably wouldn't be much impact anyways. Like if, if he was able to somehow manage to drop, whatever, 180 degrees and hit you in the chest, it wouldn't do a whole lot of damage. Now, again, again, if you make X-kick, I never make lead back. But if you start to kick halfway, change your high kick for hex kick, this is cannot, man. Nobody can do this. Well, you invited him to come to Tiger Muay Thai, and I actually think, I actually hope that he takes you up on this, because, you know, one of the things people have always said about Connor is he's very comfortable with his own people around him. I think if you go to Thailand and you focus all the time on Muay Thai, on, on uh, training for MMA among the people in Thailand, that becomes your life. And I think that for anybody, not just for Connor, but anybody who's become very comfortable in their life, I think it's a good experience to go out there. Of course, of course. I invite him, like, I invite him, like, real, like, I I'm, I'm respect him. I respect this guy. This guy make a lot for MMA. And uh, I respect him, of course. And everything I talk with him with respect. Maybe, maybe somebody think I'm not respect him. No, I'm respect. But, yeah, of course, this is good experience for him. Very good experience for him. And I very, very more than welcome him to Thailand and Tiger Muay Thai. You know? Well, Raphael, it's good experience for everyone, yeah. not only for Connor. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it uh, it helps a lot of the different fighters that are coming out and uh, and learning with a great team of people around them. Um, thank you for your time. I appreciate. it. I've got to go run and uh, watch some Kokporu uh, highlights, so I've got to get going. Okay, but I appreciate your time, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Best of luck this weekend against Rafael dos Anjos. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. It is the second UFC fight in the second co-main event. It's Caio Baraglio. What does that mean to you? Second fight, second co-main event. You're going to have a lot of eyes on you once again. Yeah, it means a lot for me, man. It means that UFC wants to see me fighting. The UFC knows that what I'm capable of selling fights, and they, they are uh, growing my, my way, like, step by step. And, man, again, a co-main event in the spot that everyone gonna, is going to see me. I'm very happy with this. Uh, excited, as always. Uh, I hope to put on a great show. <laughs> Well, you did last time around. You beat an undefeated fighter, previously undefeated. Kind of a weird ending. Ended up in a technical decision. But uh, a win is a win, no less. And uh, now, of course, you're in uh, the co-main event once again. Now, tell me about your, I guess, your mentality around the sport. I watched you on the Contender Series. You talked about being part of the fighting nerds and how you want to approach the fight differently from other people. So what do you think gives you an advantage? So it gives me an advantage because I, I can calculate everything inside the fight. You know, I'm not just brawling. You know, as I said in the Contender Series interview, I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to just brawl there and, and do crazy shit. No, I'm going to calculate every move. I'm going to uh, do the right thing to win. You know, like I'm going to steal my opponents the way that I need to study and to see his holes. And then I can fill all these holes, you know. And you also take a, a, an approach that's very uh, thoughtful in terms of your preparation with your weight cutting Tell me a little bit about what you think is different between the way you cut weight and other people. I I, I don't know if it's, it's 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 a lot of different, but uh, I know 
I know how to cut weight, you know, like I've been judo, I've been judo athlete my entire life. So I've been cutting weight since I was a kid. And, and I know, I know, I know some, some where to go, what to eat. I have a nutritionist with me. I have a, a physician with me too. So, uh, I don't, I don't think it's different. I, I, I do it the same way that the guys do, but I can do it better. You know, like I, I, I can do the right thing. I never miss away my entire life. So I think that's an advantage for me because the guys, uh, they, they, they left too many weight to cut, you know, so I, I don't do it. I know how to get my weight down and keep my weight down and I know how to make it even lower in the week. And tell me a bit about your tattoo. It has free spirit on it. What, what makes you a free spirit? Yeah, free spirit because I don't fit in any pattern in the world, you know, like I, I don't judge anything and I don't want to fit in any of groups, you know, I'm free. I can do everything. I can do it all. I can be whatever I want. And I feel like I'm a free spirit inside the octagon too, you know, like I, I can do ground, I can do uh, I can do stand up, I can do wrestling. I'm just a free spirit. I'm not going to judge any actions of my opponents. I'm just going to be there use my skill, be free, and then this way I can think way more right, you know? I can think more than the other guy. That's why I'm free spirit. Think of the world needs more free spirits? Yeah, for sure, man. In these worlds, like uh, with social media and everything, everyone is trying to be another guy. Everyone is trying to fit in some pattern, you know? So when you're free spirit, you know who you are, you know? Like you can be whatever you want. You don't need to be this one or that one. No, you, you can be yourself and be free to choose what you want to be. So certainly the world needs more free spirit, for sure. <laughs> and do you think that people are too judgmental? People try to cast aspersions on other people and uh, make conclusions about people without knowing them? Yeah, for sure. The social media is full of this, you know, like everyone is talking shit about you or talking good about you, but Everyone is judging everyone by the way they dress it, by the way they behave himself. So I don't want to be that guy, you know. <laughs> so you love everybody. You're happy with whatever anybody chooses to do with their life. You're, you're on board. Yeah, of course, man. Everyone has the right to choose whatever they want to their life, you know. Like they have their own path to, to, go, to go, you know. So if you're free, you're going to go far, man. You, you, you can be whatever you want. So, yeah. Now, your opponent, Armin Petrosian, he had a very tough fight against your countryman, uh, Gregory Rodriguez, in the last fight. I think a lot of people thought Rodriguez won that fight. What did you think of his performance? Actually, I don't think Rodriguez won that fight. It could be either way, actually, but I think Petrosian did a great job in the last round, and he he got this left kick, and then he, he got Gregory very bad there. So that's the point that he won the fight, I think. But I, I thought his performance was good. But I think Gregory is as a black belt, as a jiu-jitsu black belt, he didn't he striked a lot, you know, like he was following Petrosian and going into Petrosian's game. So I think it was a mistake from him. He could be he could could have made this this uh, this fight easier for him, but he he chooses the hard way, you know, he chooses to brawl. And that's the difference by me and him. I think what happened in that fight, uh, a lot of people saw Petrosian get hurt. It's one of those things where you look at certain fights, there can be two very close rounds and then one round that isn't close. And people always think that the person that won the round that isn't close should have won the fight. But if the other person gets the two close rounds, that's the way MMA works, right? So 
I think that that is an issue with the scoring criteria, personally. I think we should see 10 to 9.5, 10 to 8.5, a little bit more of a range in scoring so that we can really calculate who won these fights rather than giving somebody who won two very close rounds uh, a fight over somebody who had a really good round but not quite a 10-8 round. Yeah, yeah. MMA is round by round, man. It's not the entire fight that you see. You see round by round. If the other guy wins two rounds very close and win the last round not too close, he won the fight because he did his job. You know, he won two rounds. It's round by round, man. That's why you need to calculate everything that you do inside the octagon. That's 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 is what I think this is my difference. I'm always calculating. I'm I'm always, you know, like know know what's happening in the fight. You know, I, I think people are full of emotions there and just act. No, I will act but I will calculate first. So it's round by round. If I win two rounds and I know that I'm winning, that I'm winning the fight for sure. I'm not gonna expose myself in the third round. You know, just trying to win the fight in, in any way. No, I'm, I'm I'm gonna calculate and keep doing my thing. And I will want to to win the third round too. But if if I don't win, no problem. I'll win the first two, and, and that's what matters: the victory. I hope this question doesn't come off the wrong way. But a lot of fighters don't seem to know how fights are scored, what judges are looking for. You are someone who takes a very methodical approach to the sport and seems to really research everything that goes into the sport. So are you, are you familiar with how fights are scored? And do you yeah. tailor, tailor your game to that? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, all my game is based on that. Because you, when you're fighting, you, it's a conversation between you, between you and your opponent, between you and the judges, and between you and the fans. It's a conversation, and every conversation have, has its point to win, you know, like has its point to make people like, oh, I think this guy is winning. I think this guy is doing that. So uh, I'm very, I'm very, uh, I know, I know how, how it scores, you know, and my game is based on that, you know, like uh, about uh, domination in the center, about uh, doing the right, right uh, punches and the right, uh, right things to, to, to do. Now, you might not want to share this, but what are some things that you feel like you can do that will sway the judges during a fight? Let's say you're losing the first three minutes of a round in your mind. What are some things you can do in those last two minutes that you think could make, maybe get the judges onto your side if, if it is a conversation between you and the judges and you and the fans? Yeah, it depends how much the guy was winning the fight, but for sure, a takedown in the final, in, in the end of the round, is, it's, it's a good thing. If you take him down and get good shots in the ground and dominate him in the ground in the last two minutes, even though you had the third, the, the first three minutes like losing, I think you can win the round, you know, like take him down and make him pay and, and do some punches, do some damage. I think it's, it's a good way to win the round, you know. Well, Kyle, you're a very smart man. I enjoy speaking with you because you're very thoughtful and your approach to the game is, uh, is very different. Uh, and before we started also, you said that, uh, that I'm a fight nerd, like a fighting nerd like you, and you're, I'm a kindred spirit. So I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, brother, you're on a bus. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kyle. Thank you for yeah, this. And we want, to, we want to represent all nerds, you know, like all nerds are, are it's always taken down, you know, man, so, uh, suffering bullying and everything. And we want to overcome that, to pass a message that the nerd can be a tough guy. The nerd can be a guy that, that can fight in the UFC with the best guys in the world, you know? And our, our, our phrase is like, it's bullying payback time. So it's bullying payback time, man. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. On, on behalf of the, uh, the fighting nerds out there, 
that can't make it to the UFC because they're 40 years old like me. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for doing yeah, this, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Best thank of luck you, on Saturday. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Really appreciate it. He's back. Eamon Zahabi, back in action. It's been a while, my friend. And I was looking for interviews to study, to talk to you about. And I couldn't find any. Have you been radio silenced this year? Yeah, you know, after the two losses and stuff like that, um, I'm only doing interviews with, like, uh, you know, I want to do with, like, grassroots guys or people, like, uh, who are, like, up and coming and, like, what I have to do, like, the mainstream, like, the hardcore uh, guys like you and other big media places. But the in-betweens, man, I I feel like uh, they threw me under the bus when I was trying to figure out my comeback. So I was, yeah, I'm kind of taking a little hiatus of some people, but now I'm back. Now I feel real good. Who threw you under the bus? For what? Ah, other people, you know, because like, coming off two losses, it's not easy to, to still believe or still have hope or still like uh, pump me up, you know. And uh, I just feel like some people didn't give me a fair shake and they, they didn't consider my skills for my comeback. Oh, so you're talking about before the comeback against Drake. Well, I spoke to you before that fight. So, just yeah, you know, just say yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. No, you are all good, man. You're on my good list. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. So I'll call you next week. We'll, we'll set up another one of these. Um, yeah, I would love that. No, a, victory, uh, a victory interview would be great. So this opponent, Ricky Tercios, had a great showing on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, but we've seen the quality of the fighters on The Ultimate Fighter in recent years has kind of dwindled. We're seeing a lot of the better fighters on the Contender Series. So I wouldn't feel disrespected like this is some sort of setup fight. I think this is a really good matchup for Ricky for where he's at in his career. Yeah, no, it's a great matchup. The guy's, you know, he's been around forever. He's, he's got a long career, and he's he's improved a lot. Like I watched his fights before he got into contender. Uh, sorry, into the Ultimate Fighter. Then I watched his fights in the Ultimate Fighter. He has improved a lot. His main thing, though, I think, is his biggest strength is going to be his conditioning. And I prepared myself to go 15 minutes with this guy. It seems like that's his way to win. And he's got a few submissions that he likes to attack. So in the last couple of months, I really focused on building escapes and counters to the submissions I think he likes to attack. So I'm going to have something ready for him. Like, I'm really going into this fight with uh, the answers to this to the problems he's going to bring up. You know, that's what makes me confident about winning. Well, it's, it's certainly an interesting matchup. And Tercio seems like a really uh, a really nice guy. I'm sure you'll get along with him uh, after the fight. Yeah, but, of course, sure. going in, you know, it's a, it's a competition. Yeah, it's, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I take it as a sport and I got to fight him for the sport. And I, I don't care about his personal life. Like, I don't, I'm not going to hate the guy or, uh, you know, badmouth him and this and that. And I feel like... I, uh, he's similar in that way, and uh, we're just going in there to fight, man, for for money and for to get our livelihood, and it's because we love what to do. This is what we love to do, and I like that about him that he loves to fight, you know, and I love to fight. I'm a lifer, you know. I feel like I've been doing this my whole life, and uh, I'm excited to just be back in there and getting a chance to perform. And like, I've been working a lot on new skills, and I'm really looking forward to showing the world my 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 new skill set. So typically, when you go to the UFC, you get a four fight deal. So is this a new contract for you? Yeah, so I signed my, my contract uh, the night before my last fight with Draco because Draco missed weight by like four and a half pounds. So uh, they offered me a new new contract to take the fight and I was really happy with the new contract. I'm really excited. And that's like, uh, I'm super excited about it. And I have three more fights left basically on my new contract now. Great. So you're with the UFC for some time for the foreseeable future and hopefully the UFC comes back yeah. to Canada sometime soon. It seems like... I would love, I would love to fight on the Canada card. Uh, you know, they got me, they got Jordan. Uh, they got a few other guys from out west, you know, and I think like we can have a really nice Canadian card at home. And we know that in Canada, we're going to sell the place out. You know, Canada is a fighting country. You know, we have boxers, we have grapplers, we have MMA guys, we have guys in all types of fighting sports. And we really have great fans. 
Well, stay tuned. From what I understand, there might be a trip to Canada planned by, before the end of the year, and it would be great to see you on that card. Oh, I would love that. And like I was telling other people in my other interviews that, um, you know, I fought in February last time, and I wanted to fight at least two more times that year. But things came up, and I don't want to, like, talk about, like, why I couldn't get back in there because I don't want people to think I have excuses for my before my fight. And I'll talk about them after. After I win, I'll let people know, like, why it took me so long to get back in there. So this year, like, I'm really focused on winning this fight, getting through this fight, and then having another fight before the year ends. And if I can, I'll squeeze out one more. But really, I just want at least two fights. Like, I got to work my way up to getting two fights a year and three fights a year. You know, like, I really want to get more consistent. Well, you started off in the UFC with two fights in your first year in 2017. Uh, but then yeah. since then, it's been every other year. So you're hoping to uh, keep busy from now until, I guess, the end of 2023, fight two, three more times? Yeah, exactly. Because, like, now finally my life's very organized. My kids are older. Uh, you know, I don't have to run around begging for sponsors. You know, with the new contract, it's really good. You know, so if I win this fight, I'm gonna be. It's gonna be easy for me to go into another camp and spend the money, invest in the money that I have to to prepare. So that I'm really excited to just just fight now. I just want to be a UFC fighter, full pin, no needing for anything else, and I can just do all my energy and focus on having a great UFC career. You know. And last we spoke, you just bought a new house. So I'm thinking it was just renovation projects that kept you from fighting. No, not only that, not that really, because I bought my house in February. I actually bought my house two weeks before my fight. So, like, it wasn't really that that kept me out all year. You know, there's other things that come up. And like I said, like, I don't want to make excuses. And I don't want to talk about it too, too much there. But, uh, no, it wasn't really the house only. But, uh, like, the house, I got it early on. So, like, I got that behind me early. Well, I was mostly kidding about that. I was mostly wondering how the new house was and how you guys are settling in. Oh, the house is great. I love it. Uh, I'm never moving again. Moving is not for me. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I'm very well established now there. I love my community where I'm at. And uh, I'm very happy. And how's everything going down at TriStar? Uh, Mandel Nalo, fantastic win recently, so a little bit of momentum. I know Rory fell short last week in kind of a, an interesting fight, you know, from a judging standpoint. Didn't give the judges a ton to score. Um, so yeah. how's everything going down there? The gym has finally turned back around, you know, like the two years with, with the COVID restrictions and things. And like, it was just really, it was, it was really tough and really hard for me and the other professional fighters, as well as uh, guys that come from overseas or guys that come from the United States. We couldn't get together, so it put a lot of strain on the, the you know, like in terms of like uh, TriStar as a whole. Like, you know, we lost some professional fighters, you know, like uh, we lost some members, we lost a lot of stuff. So we had to really build back the last year and uh, get things together. But, you know, luckily now that we got Mandel now won his fight, you know, Rory got his fight camp there. I had my fight camp. Xavier had his fight camp. Uh, Mick Tufok was training with us. Uh, we got Alex Morgan. I'm sure he's, he's fighting very soon in the summertime. We got guys like now it's really turning back around. Everyone's back in full throttle training. Guys from the United States, they can finally start coming back to Montreal to train with us or guys from uh, Europe and things like that. So I'm really looking forward to TriStar being back on the map. And uh, I really want to push TriStar. I really want to get it going like it was before the pandemic. And Olivier might be able to invest a million dollars in it soon. Yeah, of course. Olivier too. I, I can't believe I didn't mention him then. Olivier was there for his training camps as well. And uh, listen, he is really blowing me away you know like uh olivier Aubin-Marcier, i think for me uh, as a fan you know he's got to be one of my top fighters right now why because he's done something mentally that i appreciate as a fan and he finally now he's he believes in his striking and when you see it, when he's fighting in his, in his last two fights he fought two of the best guys in that in that league and he beat them both two ex-champions and he did a lot of it in striking 
And you know, that's not his wheelhouse. You know, he's a judoka. He's a great BJJ guy. And he's always had good striking. But for me, I thought that the reason why he didn't excel, excel in striking, it wasn't because of his technique or skill set. It was because of belief. And I feel like he finally turned that corner. And I'm so proud of him. And I, and I think we're going to see him win that million dollars. Well, let's hope so. Because you've got two Canadians going head-to-head in that, uh, in that tournament. Yeah. So we'll see how uh, And Alex how that Martinez is a great guy, man. I love Alex Martinez. He's trained at TriStar so many times. Actually, you know, he's, his father has come to train with us. Great kid. I think he's got great potential to win the tournament as well. You know, he's had very great fights, great showings. I think uh, for his age and what he's achieved, it's phenomenal. And I'm, I'm rooting for him too. But I have a slight bias for Olivier Aubame because I train with him much more often and I spar with him even like now for his training camps. Like his last training camps, I do some sparring with him and help him get ready, you know. So so I'm really looking forward to, for them both. If One of them has to win, but I want them both to be impressive. Yeah, well, I, let's hope so. And I mean, we'll have a Canadian uh, represent, well, at least somebody who represents Canada in the finals, which will, which will be nice to see. Um, yeah, which is beautiful. So, uh, R- Ricky Tercios, tell me a little bit about him and his skill set. I mean, we've seen him perform once on the Ultimate Fighter finale um, and, of course, during the show. What do you think you can exploit of, of his weaknesses? Uh, I think, you know, he's a volume striker. And uh, I don't think... Um, I think I don't throw as many strikes as him, but I think I land them much harder. And what I'm going to try to do is basically I'm going to try you know draw him out and, cu- and cut him in between. And I think... That's going to be the weakness for him in this fight in terms of being on the feet. On the ground, you know, I think that you know he's got three very strong submissions. He's got guillotines, triangles, and, and rear naked chokes. And I've prepared very hard to get out of all of them. I want to give a shout-out to my boy, uh, Pierre-Olivier Leclerc, who helped me with my back escapes. And I'm really excited to, like, I think I can out-wrestle him too. I think I have the better wrestling. So I just think overall, like, I want to show off my skills. I want to, I want to go in there Saturday and beat him with my skills. Like, I want people to watch the fight after and be like, man, how did he neutralize him and was able to score? You know, how, how did he stop uh, Ricky Tercios' high volume, high offensive, high chaotic fighting uh, pace and, 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 and beat him, you know? So I'm ready to go 15 minutes, but if a, if a finish comes, I'm going to be happy to take it. Well, you took it last time around. We'll see if you are able to do it this weekend. Best of luck to you. Always a pleasure catching up. Thank you very much, Aaron. I'm pleased to be joined by the individual who I believe should be the favorite right now to win the featherweight tournament in the PFL. He is Chris Wade. He's facing Brendan Lochnane, and apparently the date has been moved, and you're no longer fighting in Wales. You're now fighting in England. Is that correct? Yeah. So I found out yesterday that they are, they've moved the date from the 13th in Wales uh, to London on the 20th. I, I figured it out from like a, a friend who sent me a, an image of, of uh, the promotion. So uh, you're, I guess, being moved there, presumably because Brendan's from there and they want to bring more fans in to see him, I guess, in his backyard. Yeah, I can imagine that that's exactly what's happening. Um, they want to put him as close as he possibly can be to his, to his actual, like, home. And uh, so as a result, they moved us, you know, 250 miles and a week over to uh, London which, uh, like I said, I wasn't aware of. So, oh, man, dealing with a few uh, headaches early on with this situation. Yeah, well, obviously, do you, I'm, I'm guessing you think that gives him some sort of an advantage or at least have the home crowd advantage. I don't know about judging and all of that, but it seems like uh, for the purpose of drawing more fans, they're moving the, the entire featherweight tournament over to his location. 
Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's one thing to have some try to get some fans of his and to use that that influence over there. I, I get it, but um, they're moving a lot of people's bouts. A lot of people are getting shorter rest and instead of longer rest. So uh, playing the favorite for him is making a lot of issues for other people. So which divisions uh, are moving now? What, which division are you on the card with alongside Featherweight and who is moving over to Wales? It looks like they flip-flopped us and the welterweights who just competed on Friday. So they're going to get a week less and then we're going to get a week more. Um, and that will be on the on Kayla's card on the 20th and that welterweight will advance up to the 13th. I guess that's good and bad. I mean, the bad part is, of course, that you're going to be... Um, facing him in his backyard, but the good part is you get an extra week of rest. Not that you really need it. I mean, you had a pretty quick victory last time around. Yeah, no, I didn't want the rest. I mean, his eye was the one that was shut. He's the one who got in like a, a knockdown drag out fight for, for his life basically. So I wanted to pull him back into the cage as quick as possible. I wanted to fight him on the fifth in New York. I'm from New York. I wanted to be on the MSG card, but you know, uh, obviously the, um, the money is in a different direction. And you had mentioned something on social media about your pay. Would you, can you dive into that a little bit further? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he started to go back and forth with me this morning. I don't know why he decided to start stalking my Twitter. I wasn't tagging him or anything, but, uh, you know, I'm just upset that this is the second year in a row that I've gone undefeated in the regular season. I've had knockout, uh, highlight real finishes and, um, I just don't want to move into the semifinal of a four-man playoff and and go in reverse in um, in pay substantially. Um, it's not fair to what I've been accomplishing, and it's not fair to my family. Um, and that's basically like the the entire gist of it. It's just that last year I I reluctantly did it. I was basically told I would be replaced if I didn't just take it. And then this year I. I um, performed again, and I'm through the regular season contract. It, I've, I've fulfilled that, and now it's just these two playoff bouts. And um, I just really, really don't think it's fair that it's. they've made the tournament a lot harder to get into. It used to be an eight-man quarterfinal, two bouts in a night, and you'd make a really nice paycheck in those two bouts. And uh, we were really taken care of well. It was awesome. And then each year you know now it's gotten harder to make the playoffs because only four people make it now so you need to score a lot more points than you used to have to and uh even with that added difficulty that the pay is going substantially in reverse for the veterans especially so without giving me exact numbers unless you're comfortable doing that what kind of percentage drop are you talking about here Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd rather not talk specific to exact numbers, but it's a, it's a, it's a big chunk. Um, and uh, being going to England, the tax bracket, whatever is going to go on over there, you know, you put yourself at risk to really not make much of anything coming home if it doesn't go your way. And it's a, uh, it's just like, it's a really bad, really bad move to to not say anything and take it. Would that apply to you in the finals as well? Obviously, if you win the finals, you get a million dollars, but is your base pay going to be lower? Um, that one is, uh, yeah, it would be lower than if you won a regular fight 
for me, but uh, a regular season bout. But it wouldn't be lower the, you know, than if I didn't win the bout. So um, that one's not as bad as the semifinal. The semifinals is the is the main concern. So this is your fourth straight trip to the semifinals. You've been very successful in the PFL, uh, but you haven't quite crossed that threshold just yet. Last year, you lost to the reigning champion who's no longer in the tournament due to, I think, visa issues or an injury, uh, Movlet Khaibulayev. So the field is pretty wide open right now. You're against Brendan Lochnane, and then we're going to see who you face in, in the finals. But how do you like your chances this year compared to past years? Well, I've doubled down, too, like since that last fight with Mobleed. And obviously, he's not in the bracket this year. Um, I'm, I'm definitely the guy. Um, I'm, I'm proving that I beat Lance uh, the way I fought Kyle. Um, there's no one else that's, that's functioning and fighting on a level that I'm fighting at right now. They're winning fights, but... They're laying on dudes. They're getting takedowns. They're stalling. They're they're dragging fights out, and uh, they're beating guys that they're like massive favorites over. Um, so there's really like they're barely doing what they're even supposed to be doing. Um, so I would say a lot more than the field being wide open. Like this is uh, I'm I'm planning to just sprint through this thing. I want to finish these next two fights. I want to make a big statement. Well, Ryoji Kudo, who's in the semifinals, actually had a pretty good first round against your upcoming opponent, uh, and then there was a technical decision that unfortunately didn't go his way, but he's kind of the dark horse here. He got a, a really nice first round win over Flores in the last round. What do you think his chances are of beating Bubba Jenkins, who you defeated last year, but is really one, uh, one heck of a fighter? Yeah, that is an interesting matchup. I mean, Kudo kind of came out of nowhere. He was a huge underdog to Brendan, and then I think he beat Brendan. I think a lot of people think he beat Brendan. Um, not, there's not very many people, uh, except for his like big, big fans, that think he won that fight. He uh, he got dropped. He was he was all over the place. So, you know, Kudo. I think he has the punching power to maybe hurt Bubba, catch him. Um, but the only difference is like Bubba's wrestling is a lot sharper than Brendan's is. So. If he can't stop the takedown, Bubba's going to win a couple rounds, and, and you know it's going to be me and him in the final. In terms of Brendan, though, you look at his skill set. Do you feel like you have him beat pretty much everywhere? Because I can't really see um, a scenario where he, and I, again, unless you have a bad day because it's MMA and anything can happen, but I don't really see a scenario where he's going to be able to best you anywhere. Yeah, I think this is like a nightmare matchup for him everywhere except for his like delusion and his mouth. Like... He's doubling down on running his mouth. We were in the cage after Atlanta. He's talking smack on me with one eye open from a fill-in fighter who closed his eye up and dropped him. And he's just running on, you know, doubling down. England has his back. Um, But the reality is, if you watch the math of things and how he's competing, he's going backwards, it appears, in his stand-up on his feet. He's gotten a little bit better at takedowns. Yeah, I think he's training with some Dagestanis. He's doing. He's incorporated some body lock stuff. But I mean, the last thing you want to do with me is start grappling exchanges that you can't finish, where you're going to wind up with where I have your neck or I have your back. So if he can't outstrike me and he can't do anything about it on the ground, I don't know what the hell he thinks that he's going to do in there. Um, he's in a world of trouble. He had kind of an easy draw as well. Two, I believe, short-notice opponents uh, in his first two fights. 
Um, I don't know if Kudo was a short notice opponent, but either way, uh, kind of an easier draw than you, and he had trouble with, with both of those guys. Um, you ended up with Lance Palmer, who's a two-time champion in the PFL, uh, and a, a vet in Kyle Bochniad, who was in the uh, UFC. Do you feel like he hasn't been that impressive because of the opposition and, and how hard it was for him to beat those two? Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I call a spade a spade. Um, if he was having a really good year, I would say, listen, the guy's fighting well. It's going to be a great fight. But, I mean, he's being handpicked, uh, short notice, huge favorite opportunities for himself to try to look good so that they could try to showcase him. And, like, he can barely get through these fights. Even the last fight, which wasn't as close because of his wrestling and the other guy gassing out, um, you know, you can hear him in between rounds asking his corner if that was his round. You know, he's a little bit of a mess right now, other than his mouth and, like, the delusion in his head. Like, he's just not uh, hes not the same guy he was in the beginning of last year. Weird question for you, but you're on Long Island. The UFC's on Long Island in two weeks with a card. Are you going to be there? Hell no. I don't support them. I'm not going there. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were going to be there maybe as a, a fan of MMA or you had a, a training partner that was on the card. I don't know. I figured I'd ask. Yeah. If I had a teammate, I would definitely go and support them, but we I don't think we have anybody fighting, so I'm not going to be giving those people my money in any way, shape, or form. Well, maybe they'll comp you a ticket because you're, you're a veteran of the uh, promotion. I, I, wouldn't, yeah. uh, I wouldn't hold my breath, though. <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe me and uh, a couple of the guys running the place can sit together. Dennis Bermudez will go. You guys can all just go together. All the all the uh, the former Long Island fighters that are no longer on the roster. I have him, but not me. Not me. <laughs> all right, Chris. Well, best of luck to you. I uh, hope the situation gets resolved in terms of uh, pay and this, this new date for you uh, and things go your way. It's a million dollars on the line. I think that, like I mentioned, you're the front runner in this tournament, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. It's the second straight playoff berth for Bubba Jenkins. He's taking on uh, Ryoji Kudo at PFL 9 in London. Now, Kudo is an interesting opponent because he was uh, kind of a short-notice entrant into the tournament, had an awesome knockout in his uh, second fight. What do you think of his game, and uh, had you heard of him before the tournament started? Uh, No, I haven't heard of him before the tournament, but definitely a formidable opponent. He looks great in his last fight. I think he looked good in his first fight, you know, before it got ended early. You know, I think he did some really good things, even though he got, you know, gave up some takedowns and, you know, studied him a lot and, uh, you know, got one, no bad things to say about him. He's a really humble guy and, you know, uh, he doesn't speak a lick of English, so it does me no good to try to try to talk trash to him. You know, it's not that's, you know, that's not the game, you know, game plan. It's just, you know, skill on skill and, you know, let the bad man win. Yeah, this past weekend at the UFC, everybody's trash talking Alex Pereira. He doesn't even understand what's going on. He's just looking, looking straight into the camera. <laughs> and that's kind of exactly how you know it was going up to him congratulating him for the fight you know i saw him you know i kind of wanted to size him up and you know i shook his hand and gave him like a little chest hug kind of thing and you know he didn't need to understand you know me the, the 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 smallest things of congrats and things like that so i was like all right we're going to keep this on a real skill level what's the big difference for you fighting in the pfl i mean we've got a million dollars hanging in the balance of all of these tournaments is there any way that you've changed your fighting style for this kind of a, a format? 
Well, I don't think I've changed my fighting style. I guess I, I progressed into, you know, the, a better style of who I've always been, I would say. But um, the format is tough. You got to be mentally tough. You got to be resilient and, you know, relentless when it comes to, you know, how often we fight. You know, it's basically four fights in six months, you know, but it, um, it, you got to be you got to be locked in, you know, and it's it's I think it's a really awesome way to do it and a really cool league to be a part of. And, you know, a lot of benefits to being a part of it. Now, you were an NCAA champion in wrestling, and uh, I've spoken to Tyron Woodley in the past where he talks about how basically in MMA, he just trains striking almost exclusively because he knows that he has wrestling in his back pocket. Is that how you train? How, how much of your training is, is based on striking versus grappling? Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> I would say that he's right. I would say it's um, 80% based on my striking, um, just because those are the areas that, well, you know, once we as wrestlers get down, you know, you can do a little bit of catching up on some MMA wrestling and then, you know, add in some, some grappling and jujitsu and, you know, the, the different things that help you and, and, and will get you to submit it or su submissions. Uh, but mostly, you know, the wrestler's focus needs to be striking because um he determines where the fight goes you know if he doesn't want to give up a takedown it's really hard to take down a good wrestler and if he wants to get a takedown it's really stop hard to stop him so you know it's uh it's a it's, it's a give and go when it comes to us us alligators is what i call it once we learn how to strike we're coming out that water and, and coming to get you who do you think is the best wrestler to ever fight in mma like in terms of their credentials or in terms of how they've been able to translate it to mixed martial arts I was I was asking about that and then because they asked me to put a Mount Rushmore together and I had all these guys together and I didn't have a real wrestler on there yet um, but I, I'm gonna go with um, uh, Randy Couture uh, he was a UFC champion a champion at the highest level um, you know he's he he did it with a lot of the best guys and con continuously and, and consecutively and you know things like that that would make him truly truly a tough tough uh, wrestler to overcome when it comes to the Rushmore of wrestling champions. Well, especially uh, in that division. And now he's got a front row seat to watch you compete in the PFL. Absolutely. And I enjoy, I, I enjoy every bit of having him around and watching him around and having him ask me questions before the fights and the media day, you know, it's a living legend that you get to be motivated and inspired by, by, and you know, by just having him cage side. So it's pretty cool to watch it. Have it. Now you fought in England before, uh, both with ACB and with Brave. Do you feel like that gives you something of an advantage over your opponent that you're familiar with the territory? Uh, not so much in like, you know, like when we get there, he'll be like, oh my gosh, these buildings look like castles. You know, I don't think it matters that we'll be fighting in London itself. You know, maybe it, the hour change if he doesn't get there early. I think we plan on going a little early. But honestly, um, you know, we just want to focus on uh, fighting him. Uh, you know, I think the most advantage goes to Brandon Lockning because he's from there. The crowd can be, you know, rowdy in like a soccer atmosphere. And with the animosity that they know and he knows that they have towards Wade, I believe that, you know, that that could that could be that could be one for the atmosphere to be to be excited about. But, um, you know, I don't I don't I don't think they care for the Kudovers Jenkins fight, except for, you know, the fact that I'll be fighting their boy in the end if, 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 if they root correctly or if they if Wade gets beat or if Wade beats him. So either way, I, I get I get what I want. <laughs> I spoke to Chris Wade yesterday, actually, and he was saying that the pay for the semifinals was not on par with pay for the rest of I guess the season. Are you experiencing that as well? 
Yeah, that's the, that's the same. It just seems weird, but it's just what they do for that. Um, it is what it is. Uh, I, I I plan to advance and 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 hold the big check anyway. So, you know, I really don't. I you know, of course, we want to get paid sufficiently. Of course, we want to get paid what we're owed and do. But at the end of the day, they're gonna give us a million for one of these guys' head. So I'm 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 looking forward to that. This is gonna be a weird question, but your last opponent, Ronaldo Exon. Did you shake hands with him? Because he seemed to have, like, abnormally large mitts. I saw a picture of him, and I was thinking, that guy's got massive hands. I don't know if it was just the way the picture was taken. Did you notice this? No, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it. I didn't shake his hand in a, in a sense of, like, you know, web-to-web, thumb-to-thumb, man-to-man action. But, uh, you know, we knocked a couple times, baby, in the fight. Um, he did hit a little bit hard. He, he, had some, he, had some, he had some rocks on the end of his socks. So, um, but... Nope, didn't notice the hands. I'm glad, you know, glad I didn't even get to that point before the fight. Just kind of shook that through. <laughs> well, yeah, if somebody would have pointed it out to you, it might have been a big distraction to see a guy with, with massive hands. Well, I, I, I think it would have been a uh, neutral thing. I, I got pretty grandpa daddy hands myself, so, you know, to let the, let the big hand man win. <laughs> well, speaking of those hands, I imagine you're planning on using those hands in London, England. Your last place you got to finish was London, England, the TKO. Are you hoping that you're going to repeat history? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're looking for the you know, the victory all the way through. Um, but, you know, we get to hunting. And if, we get them, if we get some blood in the water, we're going to try to knock them out of there, as we always try to do, of course, in our own little way. Each fight, I get better. Each fight, I get more sharp. And, um, you know, each fight, I get more uh, ramped up for, for the for the next opponent. So this is who Kudo has to deal with for the next fight. And I'm excited for the bad man that will show up on that night. All right, final question. Who are you facing in the finals? Brendan Lightning. <laughs> All right, why? Because um, I want Wade to be mad at me and get the job done, possibly, and then I'll, I'll, I'll see him in the finals. All right, a little, uh, a little team dominance MMA uh, beef going on leading into the uh, semifinals. <laughs> There's always team dominance beef. Dominance is the biggest league, biggest agency in the leagues right now. So there's everybody versus everybody in there. <laughs> but Ali is such an amazing guy, and he does a good job of, you know, being not only peacekeeper but just being the man in the middle that, you know, he, 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 he knows how to not be biased while still giving us each the right motivation. So it's awesome. Well, it's great speaking with you, Bubba. It's a big matchup yourself, Ryoji Kudo, in the semifinals, PFL 9 in London, England. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Always appreciate the time of my guests, Rafael Dos Anjos, Rafael Fiziev, Kyle Baraglio, Eamon Zahabi, Chris Wade, and Bubba Jenkins. And you, the listener, thanks for tuning in. And if you have time, jump on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get this podcast. Give us a nice four-star review. Nice, or five-star review is even better. Five-star review and some, you know, some nice comments. Anything along those lines that helps uh, promote the show, we really appreciate it. Show's free each and every week. We don't even make you sit through commercials for the most part. So thank you uh, for tuning in. And any sort of uh, feedback is always appreciated. You can hit me up on social media if you have any. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.